0: Welcome to Queer Sounds, a podcast on queer folks' favorite tunes. Um, in this episode from Taiwan, from Edinburgh, from the US, whatever, we're gonna talk about that. It's a whole it's a whole it's a whole thing. Um We're gonna talk to Saria. Hi there, welcome. Hi How are you doing today?
1: I'm good, just you know, hanging around, trying not to let a second lockdown get me into a funk
0: so um the reason we got in touch is because you wrote me being like hey I'm looking for management can you help me with this
1: <laughs> yes that, that, that's about
0: right that's true I'm still surprised like what what it worked out okay in the end but what made you think I was able to help you with that
1: I don't think I messaged you directly I think someone cc'd you and f- put you in touch with me, I think that's what happened, because I definitely did not directly message you. I saw an email that was like, music promotion management for like queer musicians based in Europe, probably. And I was like, I might as well just try and see if um, this would be like a interesting kind of endeavor to go and pursue. And then they were like, they put me in touch with you. And that's kind of how I stumbled across your, your 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 contact details, so
0: Yeah, but it's not like I've got like I'm publicly known to have knowledge about the music industry, do I?
1: I mean I- I'm,
0: I'm I'm flattered people were like, Hey, this person might be able to help you, but I'm I'm just still amazed they, they thought of me. Weirdly proud of it too.
1: We should probably just ask them, we should just be like, "Hey, we had a little conversation. I got interviewed on their podcast. We should maybe like what why did you think hannah was would be would be good for me <laughs> good for this. um
0: I'm not gonna lie for a brief second. I was thinking, should i should I just go and try music management? <laughs> <laughs> um, I
1: mean, you never know, you never know."
0: I mean, I did follow a minor uh, in, in, at the University of Applied Sciences in, in music management, so who knows? I was like, that, that's, that's like one reason I was tempted to do it. But, you know, I figured to put you in touch with somebody else instead. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> before, before we uh, dive further down that rabbit hole, uh, go ahead, introduce yourself a little bit. What do you do? What are your pronouns, et cetera?
1: Hi, um, my name is Saria, I am a musician, more like musical poet, slash um, sound designer, whatever. I just like to play with sounds, and also make subtitling captions for videos. Um, I, at the moment, am based in Taipei, but I was based in Edinburgh for a really, really long time, and, um, yeah, my pronouns are... Um, she they them they them probably better but i'm also not going to be super bothered if you use she her pronouns with me but i would like to i like but i do specifically identify as gender non-conforming um and yeah so that's pretty much me in a nutshell
0: um so you so so you started doing music a couple of years ago like not not too long What's, what's the reason behind that? Like, why, why did you, I feel like you waited a long time. Like most people start playing music in their childhood.
1: I mean, I didn't wait at all, really. It was, it was definitely like, I didn't even really think that I could do music, to be honest. I, I, for the longest time I was like a musical theater kid, sure. Like I was creative. I never thought I could like make music myself until I got really depressed one summer and took up the ukulele, and since I've always just loved memorizing songs and singing songs, you just naturally and and I write poetry i I did a lot of spoken word during university. It just kind of came very naturally, and I think at that point in time it must have been like twenty fifteen I was depressed and living in Spain at that point in time. I had written a song before, but it was just with like it was just a cappella no instrumental, and at at that point, since I was just learning basic chords, I was like, why not just write?" a song and see what that looks like and i think after a lot of random busking and playing in stairwells and reverberated spaces that were public it just kind of came together eventually and i found myself hosting an open mic night in edinburgh at the forest cafe like once a week for two hours just like singing at people and I think I just naturally started just writing music and performing more and more until eventually I guess people just started calling me a musician to which I was very shook by because I was like oh this means I have responsibility to like actually do music um so yeah it was definitely a very interesting journey getting here I didn't know that I would be a musician for the longest time I thought I would be a poet and I kind of still am a poet but it's definitely shifted in terms of like where my focus is right now I write a lot of s- more songs instead of poems now So,
0: when it comes to um, shifting the focus let's shift our focus to the childhood memory uh, we've got lined up for this episode the first song take me wrong country roads almost heaven West Virginia, the Ridge Mountain, Shenandoah River, life is old older than the trees, younger than the mountains, growing like the breeze, country roads. around her, mine as lady, strained to blue water, dark and dusty, painted on the sky, misty-taste moonshine, the drops of my eye. As said before, you were born in the United States, and I'm guessing this is this this, this might have been the most American song I've had on this podcast, if, if that <laughs> even is a thing. Um, mm-hmm. Either way, uh, I, I should not put any words into your mouth. Why did you pick this song?
1: Um. So basically, I don't know if you knew this. Um, but American, like, Taiwanese and Chinese people as, like, a culture are, like, really, really into old Western music. Um... Like yeah, I don't I don't know if that was like public knowledge or anything. But you know how like karaoke is really big in like places like China, Japan, Taiwan. In Taiwan, the only English songs that are around are gonna be like the golden oldies from like the seventies, sixties and fifties. So I grew up listening to this song because being born in America, this is what my parents list this is what my mum listened to all the time and they trained me to sing this entire song. When I was like seven, we'd be like driving around the suburbs of California singing Take Me Home Country Road and also singing like tie a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree because I guess my mom is like born in the 50s so then like this is what she listened to as a youth like when she was 70 like she would listen to the songs from the 60s so you know there's something definitely very like it's really funny because i'm sure for everyone else who doesn't quite understand that this music is extremely american in in, in in a way but for me it's extremely taiwanese
0: so out of out of all of these um classics from the 70s uh, is there a specific reason you picked john denver Uh, Country Roads, or is this just a a, a random grab from a long list of country and Western music you could have picked?
1: I think it's definitely this one because this was the first song that I had memorized completely as a child. Like, I can remember being six years old and nailing every single lyric in this song Um, and having people ask me to... Having my mom pull it out as a party trick in front of all her other Asian mom friends being like, look my young child can sing Take Me Home Country Road and then she would summon me and then I would sing it for everyone and they would all sing along because everybody knew the lyrics to it. So it's definitely this one. And I do think that it's definitely cultivated a deep, deep love for country music in me because I know it might not look like it but I love country music. Um because i feel like it's such a amongst like the young cool gender queer people like queer music people it's like the last genre that is really on the tip of our tongues is going to be like country music
0: yeah i feel like I, those two are in like inherently opposite to each other like there is there is cool uh, cool young queers and then there on the other end there's stuffy old white guys who sing country songs
1: mm-hmm absolutely absolutely i think i come at it from a like purely romantic and storytelling kind of point of view because i'm the kind of i just love like songwriting as like a craft and i think country mu- and because i kind of grew up with it as well but country music is definitely where like a lot of the best song like most simple and pure songwriting has like developed you know like there every other music genre you can think about it but none will be as, but most of them will not be as old as country, and or be as simple. Like you can have like a two minute and a half song that tells like a beautifully sad story about like, you know, like uh, somebody who's just like trying to keep it together or like uh, not having enough money to like do some very basic things, and as a result having a very like tragic thing happen to them. You know, that's that's kind of the essence of country, which is which is the reason I like it so much
0: what are um well let's not assume that there are any do you have any modern day favorites like uh more recent country artists out there
1: hmm gosh not really because country is a genre has developed so much that like everything that's country now is just like poppy country pop is kind of what country's developed into and i guess the closest thing that i would associate old school country today too is maybe like like more like modern folk there's i mean maybe i don't listen to enough like new country though which is definitely possible because i don't i mean i think that it's like you've got the classics that you've grown up with or you know continually look back and discover a new but they're still old or, you know, you look towards all this, like, all these new genres of music that are possible now today. There's too much music to listen to in the world.
0: Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not specifically fond of bands like Florida Georgia Line, but like, especially the first Casey Musgraves album, that's fantastic. So what's, let's, let's, let's dive into your, like your, your personal history there. Like you, um, were dragged in front of your Asian mom friends, um, like, uh, hey, sing this country song. How did your musical taste develop from there?
1: I think because for a while I was really sick of this kind of music, I was like, ugh, music sucks completely. Like, I I, I was, like, from the age, like, four years old, was just, like, hammered, like, the same country songs into my head. And then I think for me, stupidly, I was like, that must be what all music is like. And then I just, like, didn't pay any attention to music for a really long time um and like I can genuinely say that like probably until like the age of like 13 or 14 did I actually start like understanding that there was more kinds of music to listen to because I had an older sister and my older sister was a angsty as shit little teenager and she would blast like Weezer and you know, like, like, you know, uh, radio head from her room, and she'd be like, Fuck the system, I hate my parents. And I'm just like this young, little, obedient kid, just being like, Oh my god, my sister's so intense and mean to my mom. Uh, so I'd be like, What is this voodoo music that's happening? But then she would play some soft stuff, so definitely, like, because she's born in 1990, so like the music went during her teens became the music. In my teens, because at that point we were in Taiwan and we were getting like no new Western music influences. I think that Taiwan in terms of pop music is like five years behind. So, yeah, I mean, like just the other month I heard them play the apple bottom jean song at like the nightclub. They're still and they played it twice. If that tells you anything about Taiwan's like music culture... But yeah, so when I was like younger so I was, you know, listening low to my thing
0: deserves to be played twice in the club because it's a banger.
1: I know, but there's just so many songs that they could have been playing, but it's like it's two it's twenty twenty one, goddammit. Like you can play another banger. There are other bangers other than the Apple Bottom Jean songs and You know, but it's just that it's like a staple because people know it. The radio is like the same. I I would say that the first piece of music that I ever really liked, like got properly obsessed with was probably one song by Rilo Kylie that my sister would play over and over again, which was called A Better Son Slash Daughter. And I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but it's definitely captures like the depressed teenage soul of like wanting to die because you don't feel like you have much to live for but also just being like no there's something better on the horizon so I think I got introduced to like indie folk indie rock from the 2000s which was just like uh, in my opinion probably like my most favorite era of music and then like while this was all happening I would also go on my own into, like, YouTube holes of, like, listening to some intense Icelandic post-rock. I was, like, listening to all of this, like, American indie folk, like, influenced by my sister, and she had all these albums lying around, and she, like, showed me bright eyes. I was really into that, because I was also a depressed piece of fuck. And then I was listening to loads of, like, ethereal, fairy-type, like, Nordic music that made me feel like, you know, the world was just this magical place drawn by crayon and icicles so i was really big into mum when i was younger as well and so i think maybe those two like genres melded together and really really quite fundamentally influenced the kind of music that i make today because it influenced the music that i really love
0: um you mentioned you were living in uh, taipei at the time um is that uh also when you started writing poetry
1: i'm such a cliche because I started writing poetry because I fell in love with my best friend and obviously it wasn't going to work out because that just, you know what? It just, it just doesn't. And then you just, you just start writing poetry. I didn't even know I was queer at that point. I would just write like sad poetry. Like, oh my God, my heart (sighs) cracked into the pain, the suffering. And then I was like, oh, why am I writing this about my best pal my best pal who's and this off this sounds a lot like heartbreak poetry, which means that I'm like in love. But that would also mean that like I'm in love with a girl. Hmm. Am I? Nah. Am I? Maybe I don't know. And then yeah, that's when I started writing poetry. Uh which was awful at that point. <laughs> but that's when I started, because you know, you gotta be that cliche heartbroken sapphic
0: (laughs) yeah the way you described it to me it just sounds like you started dabbling with poetry a little bit because of that you found out you were queer and then when you figured out you're queer it's like oh wait i'm a queer so i should really double down on this poetry thing
1: Well, I did write a lot. Yes, I wrote in my journal. You know, it's like when you definitely know that there are no people who are going to be, who are going to understand you or like anything you feel, you just keep instead a journal that you write all your thoughts. And you like, I don't know if you were like this, but I was kind of like a pretentious fucker when I was a teenager and I just write. As if I was like some kind of like eighteenth century novelist in my journal being like, "I am surrounded by people who do not understand how I feel or how I think, but perhaps this is just the human condition um. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I mean I, I, would dab- I would write a lot of poetry I have no intention in showing, showing it to anybody but it wasn't until when I moved to Scotland for university that I see people perform slam poetry and then before that happened too I was watching a video by Shane Coitzen called um, To This Day I don't know if you've ever heard of it but it was a very very famous spoken word poem at the time and I watched it and I was like that is something that I could do that is definitely something that i want to do and that's kind of where my like writing for poetry started
0: um did you uh also dabble in like other art forms like visual arts maybe you also seem like a person that could that could very well draw or paint
1: i wish i wish i could be better at visual arts i'm definitely a doodler like i could i could draw like a cute little doodle or a cute little cartoon or like have some like Abstract swirls. I think you know. I think as people who are creative, we definitely have a, a way that we like to be aesthetically, and you know you can recognize that when you you see it. I definitely am not as good as making visual art as I am any other art, but um, I did a lot of theater um, in high school. I was always typecast as the gender bending, comedic, over the top side character, which you know really should have. I really should have just known then that I was like not a cisgender person because I I must read that way too because they were like giving me men roles all the time and I was like that is so cool. I must be so good that they just have to give me the role even though I'm not the gender of any of these roles and then looking back I was like oh it's probably just because I like have non-binary energy even if they didn't know it at the time.
0: You know, it checks all the boxes you do poetry you did theater you listen to like ethereal fairy music it's just are are we acting to be uh, are are we acting to be our own stereotypes or is that something that like which whichever happens <laughs> first chicken or the egg type of situation
1: i fully embraced it i think that i'm definitely a giant cliche because i feel like i was raised by television like i my my mom worked a lot and also like i had very little supervision around me from time to time so i did spend a lot and a a lot of time around television and i think that i think that definitely contributes to why i feel like such a big cliche because i feel like i was raised on cliches and was raised on like bad television writing from the 2000s i mean uh,
0: i uh, i feel you though i'm just as much a cliche as you are like i I, uh, I play guitar, I've got my own podcast, I buy all my clothes secondhand, I'm vegan, I do yoga, like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, the, the, the just a different brand of stereotype, I guess.
1: Some cliches are good, though. I don't mind being a stereotype. Like, if it's a good stereotype, you just want more of it.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm leaning into it now. Um, <laughs> let's move on to track number two, our queer artist spotlight. Um, An artist we already had on before, but I'm gonna go with a different song now. Here's Tammy T. beautiful if you ask me um tammy t a track 14 released 2019 um
1: god such a good song
0: it is it is so um take it away why did you why did you pick this one
1: well no one can deny that Tammy T is a revolutionary when it comes to making heartbreaking tragic EDM music. Um also just I think the narrative of it just really spoke to me in terms of, you know, it's like you're 14, you're so uncomfortable with your body. I think any trans person, any anybody who struggles with like body image or like dysphoria can immediately listen to that and just know the depths of which that pain kind of comes from but um the, the nice thing that i really liked about it personally was i think i was listening to it i just i was not yet 25 i was 24 she had the lyric in there that's like 25 25 like you know keeping my head high you know things are better now and i think i think yeah it just really spoke to me i I definitely was introduced to her music at Hyper Reality Festival in Vienna in 20, I think 2019, 2018, it must, wait, no, it must have been 2019, T- what is time? I, I just was obsessed with high-pitched and moist uh, for a really long time, um, and there's just something so special about the way that you can make such synthetic noises and something, especially like vocally synthetic, that can be so, so heart wrenching and touching. I think that really proved to me that, especially with something like autotune, it can create this kind of distance from the singer that is just as intimate, even if it's kind of artificial, like almost like a sad singing robot. But the robot's feelings are real. And I think there's something very, there's something very like transformative and gender defying about that which i found really really personable and relatable and i i just really really love that song i think tammy t is definitely one of my like biggest inspirations when it comes to making music that defies a genre which is exactly what i think she is
0: i'm at a loss for words here i couldn't have put it any better so um how do how do you experience gender yourself
1: I it was actually when the kids in like the non-binary kids in Edinburgh reached out to me one year and asked me if I wanted to perform at their non-binary celebration day, and then they asked me what does gender mean to me, and I like thought about it and then it was like the blue screen of death and then I just completely like lost my mind and didn't want to ever think about it again and I was like oh maybe that's a little bit that might be a little bit like yeah, that might be a little bit bad. Like I might actually have some very deep, unresolved, repressed, internalized gender feelings. Um, So then I I said, yeah, actually I have always felt horrifically about my gender so I will perform at your non-binary celebration day and then the funniest part was they like asked me to perform at this gig and before everybody performed they would ask them what does gender mean to you and I think I said something along the lines of I just want to be like an anthropomorphic genderless blob that's like really cute and like has no nose and like can just like go through life without ever having to have like vivid like concrete body details um if that could be like my reality i would love to be 2d but unfortunately that's not possible so yeah does that answer your question and then i think everybody was like applauding and then i think everyone really identified with that and i was like i seem to have a lot of common a lot in common with these like genderqueer people i think i probably am like genderqueer so that was kind of like how I, I came to that discovery.
0: I wanted to ask, why specifically without a nose? But I feel like if we're going to dive that rabbit hole, we're <laughs> never going to get out of it. Um, <laughs> you uh specifically mentioned being uncomfortable with femininity. And uh, in a conversation we had before, you also specifically mentioned Asian femininity. Like, what would be the ideal situation for you there?
1: I mean, I'm not afraid. I, I think what I'm most most uncomfortable with is is just... The kind of femininity that I grew up with, I did not have. I would say that personality-wise and like in a lot of ways, even aesthetically, I think that I'm very feminine. But I think growing up, it just wasn't feminine enough or feminine in the right way that would make Taiwanese people or people like my mom or like any of her friends to like be happy with the way that I was presenting because I never really presented as very feminine in an obvious way but my personality is very feminine and for some people they wouldn't really care that much but I think it was a huge it was a huge pressure to like a be more feminine and B. be skinnier because skinny means feminine a lot of the times in most cultures especially in Taiwan's Um, so, you know, there was definitely a lot of like huge issues when it came to like body things. I was like, my body's not feminine enough. I might as well just, you know, be masculine because at least with masculinity, it's not wrong. I mean, I would still try to be feminine for people, but I would just be in a hole of despair. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I was trying to read up on a little bit of, um, like what, what's the queer scene in Taipei specifically. And what I came across were mostly articles about how friendly and welcoming uh, it is to cis, gay, white, male tourists. How is that for you as like a non-cis, non-white, non-tourist?
1: I'm obviously proud of being from Taiwan because Taiwan is definitely amongst most Asian countries a lot more liberal, especially when it comes to LGBT rights. I would say that it's, well, it is the first Asian country that has allowed, like, same-sex marriage, which is incredible. But I think, and and I think that the Taiwanese, like, attitude of things, it's like, oh, someone's different. Let's just not ask them so many questions. Or just, you know, not understand, but offer them food anyway. So there's, there's definitely, like... nice thing about taiwan being this way but i wouldn't say i and i would say that a lot of people have like overall maybe like less of a hostile attitude towards queerness but i wouldn't say that like the public or like the the public kind of attitude towards it is still pretty pretty ignorant and it's and it's honestly for foreigners i don't think they can hear it i don't think they can hear the extent to which people don't understand and don't accept them so it's really easy for foreigners to come to taiwan and think that everything is super amazing because sure it's not like super bad and like no one's going to give you too much crap for it but it's not great it's still not amazing and i i guess you could say that about any place and in com- like and if you're comparing it to any other Southeast Asian country, Taiwan is absolutely fantastic for most LGBT people like in comparison for LGBT people. And I and I will definitely, you know, like put that as like a as like a disclaimer before I, like shit on Taiwan anymore, but it's definitely like there is a culture also of like Taiwanese people being really really kind towards its white foreigners. Um, and that just kind of bleeds into, I guess, the queer ones as well. So it's, it's, it's hard. It's a hard discussion because obviously you don't want to discount all of like the positive attitudes that like, Taiwan has for queer people, including foreign people. Um, and not to say that it hasn't done tremendous work for its like, queer locals but it's like i guess you know you're always more critical of the place that you're from and like it's easy because you just know it so well so i guess that's just kind of how i feel about it like there's so much work to be done and i do prefer being queer somewhere else because i my fa- my whole family is here and i'm not actually out to them because they just wouldn't get it nor would they and nor would they really even acknowledge it so i don't really see the point in actually like coming out to them we don't have that kind of relationship i don't tell them about my personal details of my life your parents are not going to get a link to
0: this podcast
1: no they don't even understand english that well so you know which has been great for me
0: (laughs) you 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 feel like um there you said you prefer being queer somewhere else like are there like a lot of practical differences between you know being queer in taipei versus being queer in edinburgh
1: i think personally for me because Like Taiwanese culture's um, history with queerness is still, you know, behind. I mean, obviously there's like non-binary people here. It's going to be very far and few between. I know more foreign non-binary people here than I do Taiwanese non-binary people. And like, and maybe that's just because that's the like scenes that I spend time in. But I find a lot of the times that the queer community in Taipei is really fragmented and really heteronormative, which is fine. But you know... I don't like that it's kind of like defeats the purpose of like what queerness is as an identity itself not to be too harsh to those people who you know like you know are comfortable with that kind of lifestyle it's just not it's not the scene that I like because I think in Edinburgh queerness is like I guess because there's just been so much more time for people to kind of accept different ways of Identity and being like being in Edinburgh is comfortable for me because I've been there for such a long time. I'm very comfortable in that community, but also because I I feel like I can access more transness. I can access more creativeness and I can access more just like different types of people, even if they may all be predominantly white, uh, which, you know, is another like topic in itself. But yeah, I, I definitely feel like I had a much more like queer diverse friendship group in Edinburgh than I did here
0: Alright, track number three for today Best uh, Concert Experience Um, A Name That Has Been Dropped Before Slow Down full of little leaps and loops and fun n- n- amazingly composed noises as, uh, whichever purpose they may serve mm-hmm. um, you saw this in Taipei if I remember correctly um, yeah set uh, set the scene uh, and the Icelandic band boom, somewhere in Taipei and you're at their concert
1: well the scene is like i'm 18 no one has ever really listened to this band that i love a lot and i like just you know occasionally check that they what they're doing unlike the off chance that they actually fly across the world to taipei to like perform and i think yeah one day i realized like it was my senior year in high school and i was like Holy shit, Moom is coming to Taipei. What the actual fuck? Immediately bought a ticket, went alone. It was the greatest concert I had ever been to. It was not even full. It was like in the most popular indie venue in Taipei called Legacy. And I went in, I was like bursting with excitement. There was like one one third of the venue was full. It was so spacious they came on stage they were just killing it i like screamed my head off at every single song they played their green grass of tunnel album mostly that gig and i saw all of them for the first time like in like person i should have known but there's actually so many of them there's like five or five of them And they were giving out, and they were paired with these two other bands called, like, British Sea Power or something, and Waves, who I'd never heard of. But it was very cute because they were handing out, like, stickers and posters, which to this day is, like, probably my favorite sticker. And it was just, like, small little cartoon versions of the Moon Band band with all of their respective instruments. And one of them had a melodica, which is like my favorite instrument of theirs. And yeah, I got a poster and I just wait, like it was so small. It was such a small gig that I was like, it must be simple to just like wait somewhere and like see if I could get their autograph. So after the gig, I like literally died inside and then hung back in the backstage. And sure enough, like after 20 minutes after the gig was over, they like came back. They came from like the backside. I was the only one there. And it was really cute because then they signed the poster like next to each of their little like cartoon versions of themselves. And I still have that poster. I take it with me everywhere I go. So yeah, that was like the best concert in my life. And I think like because they were having so much fun on stage, you know, you could tell that they were just really in it. Gigs that I had seen before were not as like they were just so different because sometimes with like more commercial gigs, I feel like it's very like autopilot. They're not like as into it or, you know, it's just not as playful as it could be and this is definitely a band who like when they play live are just so like swivelly and bouncy and really into the vibe and they're all just really pulsing and you can you can almost sway with them and dance that's like the kind of gig that i i really like to see because you know there's a collective conscious happening in which everyone can be free for a moment that's not, like, angsty.
0: With with all of these sound effects that they've got. Like, I imagine it's a bunch of keyboards, um, a bunch of fun little instruments. Like, um, is that a correct assumption?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Fun. You uh, also mentioned, like, some more commercial gigs. And if I look at the sheet we've got here, like, I'm, I'm going to go guess you haven't seen John Denver live, but, like, Tammy T., <laughs> And and mum, like those some some f- at least from my experience or to my knowledge, some quite underground artists. Do you also have like a a, a soft spot for like big over the top pop or like some some <laughs> bigger artists that that you feel to mention? Oh before? oh
1: yes 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 absolutely. As much as I love to be you know an obscure queer person who has great niche sense of music taste, I'm also a huge dork. And when I say dork, I mean like I was like when I was 15, I was obsessed with the song Fireflies by Owl City. I was literally so obsessed with this song and I could not stop singing it everywhere I went and I was like obsessed with the noises and I really love video games so I think something in this something must be related to that because I was just obsessed with Owl City and I wasn't even obsessed with Owl City as like a whole film like discography I was just obsessed with this song and then I found two other Owl City songs that I just it just blew my mind and no one else could understand what I was talking about except for obviously other people who love Owl City but there's not that many where I was but you know it's just a beautiful combination of nonsensical lyrics with incredible, like, video game-esque bloops and bleeps that I really love. So I was a big Owl City fan. And I also was a huge fan of early, early Taylor Swift music.
0: Which, it's probably again, bleeds into, like, the realm of country.
1: Which bleeds, yeah. And, and you know, I think my 15-year-old girl heart at that moment was like, this, this stuff is just the truest stuff that could come from, like a person's soul and i would sing it to everybody i would sing taylor swift songs to everybody and it would it was very cute because i was like i'm the complete opposite of taylor swift i'm like a like a like softly mask asian girl in taiwan you know just (laughs) singing, singing 15 at my friends who just turned 15 um, so I, I was big into Taylor Swift when I was younger and I also really love musicals. I'm a huge, Rent was probably the first movie I had ever seen with like actual queer people in it. And I was like, wow, I love every single person in this movie. And in Rent, this story is so important to me. I'm such a good ally. I care so much cause I'm so empathetic cause these people like, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm such a good ally. Blah, blah. No, I was, I was a big queer who felt connected to all these creative queers
0: so like you you strike me as a very artsy person right and i think um people in, in 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 general if if they see like your press pictures they would not disagree with me like is that also how you feel yourself like i, I what i feel like we should uh dig deeper into like what art really means to you
1: mm. Um well yeah I would definitely say that I identify as being artsy. I try to live a life that has a lot of meaning and expression that you know can can be as like playful as possible. For me art is really just a way to live life with with color. You know, I I make music, I wrote poetry but not not really because like I mean I don't know. There's definitely some people who are like I'm going to sit down and draw and then they like sit down and draw and they draw something and it's and it's very lovely. For me it was like I have all these repressed emotions and I need to put them somewhere and it's going to manifest as poetry, music, whatever. And if I didn't do that, I would I would feel so like stagnant and, you know, hor- horrible and pressurized. So like for me art is like therapy. Art is just something that like you have to do in order to like live and survive your feelings you know um so that's kind of what art means to me and it's also just like a multitude of different things and i think that i try not to be like pretentious about art i think like every form of art is valid like the most mainstream stuff the most like niche stuff the most like unpredictable stuff i think like most things is an art form so that's kind of that's kind of how i feel about it
0: yeah in that sense there is no um there is no like seal of quality um like that that would wait let me rephrase that let's say an artist like taylor swift or 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 owl city will be on the same level of artistry as uh as tammy t or moom
1: i think that would be a little bit not what i mean it's more just like the way that art can affect people is all in the same line like if like not saying that the the art itself is like all comparable. It's just saying that like all art has this like base quality in which like people who perceive it and people who are affected by it can feel something on any level. Like you can be just as inspired by Taylor Swift as you can be by like Tammy T. You know, a piece a piece of dead fruit on the floor can be just as big as an inspiration as like this massive painting at the moment. Like there's such huge potential to what any kind of like curated creativity can like do to a person's psyche which is kind of more what i mean do i think that owl city and tammy t are on the same level like no i would never say that but i would definitely say they both play an extremely important role in like how i was formed as a as a artistic leaning person so that's kind of that's kind of more what i mean
0: if you would use two artists to um like two other artists to describe your own music, would that be Owl City and Sammy T?
1: Gosh. That's really difficult because I think most recently I've been i been creating very different types of stuff and and it's been a huge range. I think earlier in my music career it was very much more like indie folk, singer songwritery, bright eyes feelings daniel johnston inspired and then i got ableton and then learned how to make like electronic noise music and it got like a little bit more like Cynthia Owl city i would say i would say that like if death Cab for cutie and mitski have like a baby that played with owl city a lot that like and like had tammy t as like a cool aunt i think that's maybe that's maybe what it would be more like
0: kind of a, a generational thing like how we are not exactly like our parents you don't have to be exactly like bright eyes and death cap for cutie uh, but you know you grew up together with our city and that's kind of took rubbed it off on you
1: yeah, absolutely. I it's And it's difficult because I think now I'm starting to do more like ambient instrumental music, soft house music, doing more like words with integrated spoken word, like microphones Mount Eerie-y. You know, there's like just a lot of uh, different kind of uh, trickles of uh, influence there.
0: Um, before we are going to play uh, your own track professional woman um is there something you want to you want to say about that
1: yeah so professional woman i released just a few days ago and it's available on all streaming websites it it's, was mixed and produced by my other really wonderful uh genderqueer friend Maniatrix, whose music is like an incredible cauldron of like noise noisy like grief ridden goodness and they're also just an incredible dj so you should definitely check out Tricks. but anyways like they and i um i wrote this song about a few years ago to celebrate international women's day because i was celebrating the women in my life at that point and then i think it took me like a year to realize that i really wanted to like make this song happen so i produced it with maniatrics and 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 then they were like i want to make a white girl remix So they made, they took the track, they chopped it up, they made it into this really fun white girl remix, which is like part of the EP as well. So you can listen to that if you're streaming it from Spotify, um, or Bandcamp. But yeah, this song is just dedicated mostly to four entities one of them being my mother because i love her and she's such a professional woman um another one is to my two friends who wore incredible outfits when meeting me one day and i was just dressed in like pajama clothes glorified pajama clothes and they just like came out with like these like blazers and these like flares and these like heels and i was like wow we are just getting a coffee why (laughs) why do you look so good but it's like it's because they're professional women and they're like they're off doing incredible things um you know in their careers i like really admire them and then the fourth the fourth entity is just all all people who who embrace femininity and like specifically trans women like this is for trans women and like non-binary people who Who's like whose like journey of t- to to embrace femininity has been a struggle, and but they've, but they always do it with such effortless grace, you know they do it with the kind of fierceness that gay white men love to you know rant and rave about, you know, and that's it's just a love song to them being like you guys are just incredibly amazing at everything you do, and I, I love you it's it's for them too
0: All right that let's let's listen to that in a second first i want to say thank you all for listening as always this has been queer sounds um if you want to financially support this episode you can do so through patreon.com slash queer sounds uh where you can get some fun stickers and access to the Queer Sounds Discord where you know we can talk about music and what people I'm supposed to interview. And you know, it's also like convenient when I'm trying to crowdsource someone I want to interview for, for different ideas I had. So, yeah, um, get involved. Um, you can also get involved through uh, Twitter. Our handle is uh, Queer Sounds Pod, same handle on Instagram and Tumblr. And, yeah, I want to thank you, Saria, for coming on. And Absolute let's...
1: pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, my pleasure as well. Um, ooh, and before I forget to mention, um, it's June after all. Happy Pride.
1: place i belong west virginia mountain mama take me home and you roll.